Yo, 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 what's going on, you guys? This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is your favorite internet radio show, the Sticky Buttons Podcast, where we talk about the games we're playing and the games we love. We have a very special episode ready for you guys today. We're going to be talking about some games we talked about in the podcast before and some cool technology that we're experimenting with. Yeah, and I'm bringing a full review today on a small indie game called the gunk but we're recording live here out of new york city and brandon something really cool is happening today in new york city i don't know if you knew this but in madison square garden right now in front of ten thousand screaming fans kyrie irving is coming back to beat the knicks tonight (laughs) oh that's amazing (laughs) i don't know if he will but dallas is playing the knicks and Kyrie's going to dunk on him, man. <laughs> I think you just gave me a plan to do tonight. I think I might go out to sports bar and watch that. Do you know what time the game starts? <laughs> I thought it started. Here, let me see. Oh, no. Actually, it starts in 30 minutes, but it hasn't started yet. It starts, in, it starts at 7.30. Also, I got to say, I feel like I'm becoming a, Mets, a Nets fan. I feel like I can't support the Knicks, man. I feel like I'm Brooklyn Nets all the way. Yeah, man, the Nets are amazing. I go to a Nets game every year for my birthday with Naomi, and it's always fun to watch them play. The Knicks are having a great season, though, man. Why can't you be a Knicks fan? I don't like the orange, man. I just think the orange looks cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, really. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting at all. That's hilarious. Well, while we're on the topic, shout out to Jalen Brunson for making the All-Star game. He definitely deserved it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played some 2K. I actually deleted that game. Dang, why'd you delete it? Just needed some space to play some other games, mainly Madden. I've been playing a lot of Madden recently, and I have a lot of other games just installed that I want to get to. Nice. I don't have that problem at all. I've got the SSD. I've got thousands of thousands of megabytes free. I've got gigabytes, so I'm fine there. Got plenty of space. I just want to rub it in, you know. I got to invest in that, dude. That's something that I've been talking about for a while now. I'm sure you'll get one. It's really, it's not that hard to install, but it is kind of crazy that both, I guess, the quote-unquote next-generation consoles, you know, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One, they did not come with very much storage. I think both of them came with like 500 megabytes each, which is really, it's enough for two games. If you put Call of Duty and Madden, that's it. That's your whole storage. Honestly, it's crazy to think about. And the Steam Deck that I got, I paid extra for the version that has the larger SSD. You could have got the cheaper one and then installed a larger SSD, but I decided just to go with the more expensive model at the time, which has a different screen on it as well, or a different glass. And now they have an OLED model. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. That's awesome. Kind of following up on the Switch. Yeah, honestly, and... I'm a little bit jealous. I wish that I hadn't been such an early adopter of the Steam Deck because I think I would have preferred the OLED edition, but I'm not. I'm not selling my Steam Deck. I've been loving it too much. Is it that much more than the initial model? No, but I got the most expensive initial model, so I I guess I can look it up. But the queue or the skew of models that they have is the lowest end model is actually very compatible to a Nintendo Switch or not compatible, comparable in price. And now they've done some revisions. All right, let's see. So in the United States of America, 
the cheapest option that you can get for the Steam Deck is $399, which is $100 more than a Switch. And that has an LCD screen. Or you could get the OLED for $549, which is $150 more. Or you could get the one terabyte OLED for $649. So the model that I have, they don't have that anymore. I was going to say it's particularly surprising that especially the Xbox Series S and X only has 500 gigabytes of storage. But then I remember that they do have that service where you can just stream games. Mm -hmm. And it's the same on the PlayStation, I believe. There's the PlayStation Now service. I think it's called PlayStation Plus Extra, maybe? Something like that. I'm not sure. But you can now stream games on these consoles, which is really cool because you don't need to wait hours to download it. You can just play any game on the fly. Which I think that's probably why they were incentivized to just put 500 gigs. Yeah, I do think that there is a little bit of latency or you can experience latency. Or if you have, you know, issues with your internet, you have to be online to do that service. So there are some, in my opinion, some pretty serious downsides to that. Yeah, the technology has to get better. I was having a hard time saving stuff. I remember I was checking out Fallout 3 on Mm -hmm. the uh, PlayStation streaming platform. And I couldn't save anything. That was a bit tedious. But maybe I just didn't know how to work it as well. I don't really have experience with it. I just had gotten a free trial. That's why I checked it out. Was this on Game Pass or Xbox? It was on the PlayStation. It was was on PlayStation streaming service, whatever that platform is called. And you had problems with your saves? I couldn't save. It just wasn't Hmm. letting me save it. Maybe I just couldn't figure it out. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if there's something to that. I haven't tried it. I... I've done like streaming from like my PlayStation 5 to my Steam Deck or computer, and I feel like there was just too much latency there that I, I really couldn't enjoy it. I think that's the future though, but I just feel like the technology is not quite there. I agree. But on the Steam Deck, the game that I wanted to talk about today, I played on the Steam Deck, and it was honestly, it was a great fit for the Steam Deck. I really enjoyed it. And this game is called The Gunk. It's an indie game. It came out, I think maybe two years ago. Have you heard of this? The Gunk? No, I haven't heard of the Gunk. I know of the Gunks, the Gunk Mountain Range. It's a great place to climb. All right, brand the boulder, man. (laughs) (laughs) The Gunks. It's in New York. Wow. That's in New Paltz, yeah. Is it far from here? Is it too far north? It's definitely a bit of a drive. Say about like two hours and some change. Okay. All right. All right, so the Gunk released in 2022 in April, and I'll send you the link so that you can check it out. But it has a very unique art style. I kind of think it looks kind of like claymation in a way, which is kind of why I was originally drawn to it. I mean, all of the the colors are very bright, vibrant, and it's in a sci-fi world. So there's a ship, and it's kind of like very kind of cyberpunky. I guess. A, the crew has a robot and it's like CRT and then they put like a, they like spray painted a U on it and they call him Kurt and this robot has like stickers on it. Main I see character. it. It looks really cool. Yeah. It's very visually unique and striking. I feel like once you kind of see it, I personally hadn't seen anything like it, which is why I was so interested in it. And like the character, the main character, they have this, it's kind of like a sensor, but it looks just like a Game Boy and it's kind of like strapped to their chest and 
they've kind of got this huge like metallic hand and you learn that they lost their arm in a mining accident and they kind of have this like huge huge arm and they nickname their they're like mechanical arm prosthetic pumpkin. <laughs> so your character is always talking to pumpkin, you know, your fake arm. And it's a very interesting game. It's kind of a shorter experience, you know, for an indie game. It's less than 10 hours. And it's a third person puzzle game and it's got some light first person shooting mechanics. And you, I mean, like I said, you play as this miner and they're kind of down on their luck in a sci-fi world. And, you know, along with your crew, you're trying to find a score just to make the next payment on your ship. And your scanners pick up this energy pulse and you land on this planet. And that's how you arrive. And when you get there, there's just all this gunk. And it's kind of this like black mob, like this black mass that's kind of like pulsating. And it's just kind of like goopy and nasty. That kind of just is very reminiscent of like an ecological disaster, kind of like an oil spill. And you just start cleaning it up. And like I said, it kind of has like light first person shooting mechanics and you kind of hold down the left trigger and you kind of aim your prosthetic and then you kind of, you know, hit the trigger and it kind of like vacuums up this gunk. And it's really satisfying. And just because it's like, I mean, I'm always a sucker for like a take on first person shooting mechanics where you're doing something other than shooting a gun. And it was just like so satisfying, like such a breath of fresh air to like find something where you're kind of just walking around this like alien planet and you know you clean up all this gunk and once you do there's like this like green light pulse that kind of goes over the whole environment and it like cleans everything up and like the wildlife is restored and that's when like it becomes beautiful and you just see like so much of the world and I actually like after cleaning up some like areas I was like man this is like so beautiful I had to hop into the photo mode and I like just took some like photos because I was like this is just so pretty and I was absolutely loving it man it's just such a cool thing like to have like first person shooting mechanics but like you're cleaning up an ecological disaster I thought that was awesome have you experienced anything like this where it's like you kind of use the triggers but you do something creative with it Mm. I can't say that I have I mean besides Minecraft but I wanted to ask about the third person aspect of it can you switch from third to first at will or is it just some select moments in the game i don't think it's first person at all really i think it's just third and you kind of seen your character the whole time so when you say first person mechanics you're just referring to when you're using yeah i guess maybe i was a little bit misleading there's like you you're, you're in third person right like imagine fortnite right and you kind of like hold down on the like the sight and you like look down your gun. Okay. It kind of gotcha. does that. It kind of just like zooms in, but it's still third person. So like just imagine any like third person action game where you kind of like, you know, zoom in and look in. And the Steam Deck is honestly such a great console to play this on. Because I don't know if it's something we talked about, but the Steam Deck has these really great analog triggers. And I'm going to hold these up to the mic for you, Brandon. I don't know if you can pick that up. Yeah, I can hear that. That's the triggers, man. They just feel honestly like so satisfying to click. So it's just such a joy to kind of move around the world and just like suck up this gunk and kind of just like clean up the world. I think there are a couple other games that have tried things like this. I think there's like a a game called like Slime Ranchers. And I think you kind of do something similar where you kind of vacuum up slime and you kind of like farm it and it turns into like a farming sim. But... I think that the gunk is probably the most creative way that I've encountered this kind of like 
you know, using the triggers for like a vacuum mechanic. And they have the Metroidvania tag on their Steam page. And it very much is like once you kind of clear out an area of the gunk, there's like some puzzles you can solve. And it really like it just turns into like such a fun, peaceful, like exploration game where you're like solving puzzles, like scenes of wildlife, and you're just like exploring this alien planet. And it kind of like it feels like that you just never know what's around the next corner. And I was just absolutely loving like just hopping on and like cleaning up some gunk. And then you can kind of like mine for metals um, and other materials and like upgrade your kit, which just makes your light like you can get like more health. Like your vacuum sucks up faster and like some other things. It's amazing. It honestly was just such a fun time. And then about halfway through, they introduced like combat. And they like whenever you see gunk, like now there's like these little creatures that are like coming at you and attacking you. And you, I don't know, you kind of like have to suck them up. But then there's like, it's not like the biggest deal. Like it just adds a little bit more stress. And like, I think it's fine. And then they kind of a little bit later, they add this one enemy that's like stationary and they like shoot lava at you or kind of like gunk lava it honestly i just kind of think it kind of misses and i think it really kind of takes away from everything cool that it was doing you know i mean it was like such just like a chill i guess like lo-fi experience where there really wasn't any like combat or stakes and then all of a sudden you know it's very stressful and it's kind of like they just turned to combat. It's like they maybe they ran out of ideas and they turned to combat. I'm not quite sure, but it just kind of felt, I don't know, kind of felt out of left field. And what I was liking it for, for doing something different, it kind of changed to something that, you know, we've seen a thousand times. And I think that that was really a miss. And it kind of left me, you know, with a sour taste in my mouth towards the end. But I really... Sorry to hear that. You know, it's okay. I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation you know, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, It catches you off guard sometimes when a game just introduces an element to it that's you wouldn't necessarily expect. I'm trying to think of other games that have done that for me. Nothing's really coming to mind, but I'm looking at some of the photos here, and I really do appreciate the art style. I like how some, like, the main characters kind of, like, rounded over, if that makes any sense. Like, the way that they... It's not like a accurate depiction so to say it's almost cartoony for lack of a better word yeah it kind of mixes like cartoony like comic booky and kind of like a claymation it's very visually appealing i can see that so shout out to thunderful publishing for that it's always nice to see in games it really draws you into it i'm looking at the monster you might be talking about it has like two horns it has like orange eyes yeah, you know, I'm looking at the Steam page. I honestly completely forgot about this enemy. But yeah, they added another that like that's a third enemy type. And like you only fight one. You the actually, whole game through, right? Yeah, and it's actually in this moment on the Steam page, like, you're never going to fight that one. You're going to run from that one just based on where the story ends up going. But man, I just felt like it was just like it was doing something so cool and creative. And then I feel like it just like the default, like it went back to combat and I don't know. I personally, like, I just want to see something new, you know, just for the sake of variety. I mean, like, there's other reasons why, you know, I mean, I think we've talked about how, like, maybe Call of Duty just isn't really hitting the same for me. I haven't picked up the last couple entries, you know, yeah. for a variety of reasons. But I still love that, like, feeling of a first-person shooter. Like, I think that it just translates to a controller so well. And I think that 
you know, finding creative ways to use like the triggers. I mean, they're literally called triggers, you know, in like fun yeah. and interesting ways. I was really just excited for that and looking for that. And I just feel like I'm just disappointed that this switched to. I see that it's a relatively short gaming experience. I mean, given that it's $29.99, it's understandable. But running about four and a half hours of playtime, did you feel at any point like it was a short experience or were you kind of just... No, I was really enjoying that aspect of it. I was really along for the ride. And I've got to say, my playtime is longer than that. I think it says like completionists can expect more along the six hour mark. And I was closer to seven, so... I definitely took my time enjoying exploring the world and like photo mode as well. But again, you know, this is on Steam. So if you're interested, I mean, it's on other platforms as well. But the kind of the, I mean, I did not pay full price for this game. I put it on my wish list and I waited for it to go on sale and I picked it up at the end of last year. And and that's really honestly like that's been what I've been doing with a lot of games recently. And I mean, obviously, I guess we didn't touch on it at the top of this year. We're protesting you know, the video game industry and, you know, we're not buying any new games, but I feel like that's kind of how I've been conditioned to purchase games, you know, over the last couple of years. Like I have so many, I have such a plethora of games that I'll really only play full price for something if I'm like really excited about it and and the reviews are there. And if not, like if I'm trying to take a risk on something, I'll normally put it on my wish list and wait for a sale. Which I know doesn't always, you know, isn't always the best for, you know, indie developers, but that's kind of how I navigate this space, especially having a video game podcast where we play so many games. It's kind of just what you have to do. You got to protect your wallet. But I don't know. I, especially, you know, given how I kind of soured on it at the end, I don't know if I would recommend paying full price for it. But I definitely think that it's just, it has a lot to offer, especially in the earlier half of the game, where I think it's doing some more interesting things. I think that's worth picking up for sure. I see that the game got a 9 out of 10 on Steam. Would you agree with that rating? You know, I mean, the honest truth is like, I was so excited to bring this to the show because I was having such a fun time with it at the beginning. Like it was truly like, it was just so joyful because like there were really no stakes. And then all of a sudden there was way too many stakes and it just kind (laughs) of didn't really, I just felt like it didn't fit and didn't flow. I mean, we don't really give scores here, but I I think I'm probably, I mean, the end has really soured me. I think I was feeling like 9 out of 10, and I think I'm kind of coming down on it like a 6 now just because of, I don't know. I just, wow. I don't know. I kind of just feel like they were doing something really cool, and it's like, why didn't you finish it out? Why didn't you see it through without combat? That's true. I mean, honestly, like, if you go in wanting combat, like, if you are, like, excited about, like, the thrill of it, like, if you go in, like, honestly, like, if you go in expecting it's an action game, you're probably going to have a great time. You're going to be like, oh, like, it just took a long time to get to the action, which, you know, had, like, a slow build. And I can see how somebody would really like that. But I was kind of just like, dang, like, what a breath of fresh air for this to be different. And then it, it wasn't at the end of the day. Interesting. But, I mean, the art alone, I mean, the art style, it's worth seeing because it's pretty unique. I'd be interested to, to play another game in this style. But I guess that's the gunk. Six out of ten. it's crazy how just that one aspect that can like catch you off guard really brings down your rating of a game and that will happen sometimes if you're really expecting something out of an experience and you're not getting that especially towards like the end of the game i feel like that puts the cherry on top so to say and 
we kind of just miss that that part of it. Yeah, maybe I was bringing too much into it. I mean, I honestly, I didn't know anything about it really when I started the game, other than it looked pretty and I had heard some great recommendations. I mean, it has a nine out of ten, and it's a shorter experience, which I really like. Sometimes, like if I'm looking for a shorter experience, like I love that. But you know, at the end of the day, I feel like what I was enjoying for it kind of didn't end up being that, even though it was that for more than half the game. Yeah. So I guess I was just a little disappointed. Just one more question on it. I guess it has to do with the plot. I see that they're both scavengers, Ronnie and Bex. Mm-hmm. Was the plot something that brought you back to the game? Was that like a dynamic of it that you enjoyed? Were there cutscenes where they would kind of elaborate on that? Honestly, that's a big part of the story is kind of the relationship between Bex and Ronnie and kind of like what goes down on this alien planet. I feel like talking about it would be a spoiler, but... I was honestly, I enjoyed it for the most part. I guess it's kind of tied in with the theme of the game. And like, there weren't any stakes and then there were some like big stakes. (laughs) I liked it better when there were no stakes. And I think that that's when the game really shined. And as soon as, you know, I come to find out that they obviously they had like a rift between them. There was some conflict in the game. There's a conflict in their relationship. And I guess come to find out that, you know, they're actually, they're a couple payments late on their ship and they might lose it. And one of them was pushing them to like, hey, like, don't get so sidetracked with the gunk. Like, we're here to find this energy. And she was really putting a lot of pressure on, I guess that would be Bex putting pressure on Bronnie. Like, hey, you got to like see it to the end. Like, stop getting sidetracked, even though, you know, your character's like, I'm, I'm helping this world. And like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing because you're at base camp. I'm like helping this place. And I thought that that was kind of interesting. I thought that was a cool dynamic. But then it kind of just gets the plot thickens, so to say, and it gets a little bit more serious. And, you know, at the end of it, I think that uh, was overall a good part of the game. Cool. Is there a respawn at all? Like, I know you mentioned the combat at the end. So if you die, you just pop right back because there's no health bar. There was no combat. There's really no combat and there's no health bar. So like, and then like, I guess there are like a bunch of upgrades that you can do. Like, I never really took much damage until the end and I was like upgrading my health because you get like kind of like a host of upgrades and like you can kind of constantly upgrade your health a couple times and I'm like okay I don't really feel like I need this but I'll do it anyways and like because you never see it you never like see your health but yeah if you die they just put you right back in and you can like fall off the map or either in combat yeah I fell into a gunk river one time and that killed me but they just put me back to right before I jumped off the ledge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome that's the gunk yeah. the gunk well i would recommend but i mean go in with you know knowing that it does have some combat at the end cool so i guess i'll move along into the game that i've revisited recently i believe i talked about it in the pod and i think it might have been on my game of the year list for mm-hmm. this past year 2023 god of war ragnarok So I took a break from this game to make space for some other titles on my PS5, which now I'm thinking doesn't really make sense because it's a disc. I have the disc version, but there are some uh, add-ons. I recently downloaded the Valhalla DLC onto the disc, which was about an 8 gigabyte download. Pretty big download DLC, which I'm excited to explore. But, you know, upon starting the mode, it notified me that there would be some spoilers and I hadn't finished Mm. the story mode. So I really don't want to 
spoil this elaborate story for myself. I mean, God of War, really, that plot is just one that I love to keep up with and, and explore for myself. Yeah, you don't want to do that, man. So I guess I'll just let you know where I'm at with it. I'm currently playing as Atreus, Kratos' son, as he's gone away from Kratos in an effort to explore his own destiny. There was a bit of conflict there between Atreus and his father. His father is kind of shielding him from his destiny. And some background on that. So Atreus is actually Loki, the Norse god Loki. And his mother wanted to name him Loki, but Kratos rather wanted him to be named Atreus. And so Loki, son of Lofi, is the Norse god of mischief and the champion of Jotunar. Jotunar is kind of a realm of giants. So he's a giant, even though he doesn't look like a giant in any Isn't sense. Isn't it Jotunheim? I believe it might be Jotunheim. I'm not sure. But yeah, so his mom knew of his destiny and she didn't want to keep him away from it. And Kratos tried as long as he could to protect him from it. And I guess just some background for me. How is he named Loki? Or how is he Loki if he's Atreus? So Atreus is Kratos's name for him. And I think Kratos is actually from the Greek mythology, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, this is kind of like a mesh of both mythologies. Okay. And some really interesting background on Atreus in the Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. I guess the myth of Atreus is that he fought with his brother, Thyestes, over the right to the throne of Mycenae. And his brother, Thyestes, slept with his wife, to obtain the golden lamb and claim the throne for himself. After Atreus reclaimed the throne, he then murdered his brother Thyestes. He murdered his brother's children, rather, and served them to his brother in a meal. Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that got really dark really quick. That's quickly. pretty messed up, Atreus. But more on his wife. In, in the game, you actually meet his wife. And Atreus, Atreus has a he's like a boy though. He's a boy, exactly. He's about like I think fourteen, maybe like fifteen in the game, and you know he goes away from home. It's kind of a coming of age for him, and he meets his wife in this interesting realm. I believe it is. Is she kind of like yo, I'm your wife, or do they just meet and kind of like fall in love? They kind of just meet, and they haven't fell in love yet, as of like where I'm at in the story. But you definitely see hints at the chemistry between them. Okay. And her name is Angerboda. I might be butchering that, but it's really cool to explore this giant realm. She's kind of showing him around Jotunar. She has like this kind of elephant-like creature that she's like really good at speaking with animals and Mm -hmm. interacting with them and so she can pretty much will an animal to do as she pleases and this elephant like being like they hop on its back and they kind of traverse across Yotanar. she's showing him kind of this place and they're exploring they're going around and it's really cool to just play as atreus himself you don't have that like father and son fighting dynamic and he fights yeah. really really well on his own his fighting how does he fight is he still with a bow when you have him alone yeah so his fighting mechanics are really quick bow and arrow and he can turn into a giant wolf once you activate the red bar and you activate the rage so to say he turns into a giant wolf that gnaws his opponent's heads off Damn. it's really kind of overpowered because once you're in that animation 
of biting your opponent's head off. You can't get hurt, which is really useful. But I've been dying a lot because it's been a while. I'm kind of lost. I don't really remember the controls that well. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to like get back into it. But I also played in a, a harder difficulty because I enjoyed the first God of War so much that I started to play it in the God of War difficulty, which is so difficult that if you die, you have to restart the whole mission over again. And I've been restarting a lot in the first game. And now here, I think I'm just the difficulty right under that. I forget what that's called, but it's been a challenge for sure, getting right back into that, that flow of things. But yeah, this dynamic between Atreus and his future wife, it's kind of fun to see that relationship develop, especially knowing how it ends up. And I'm curious to see in the story. Well, that, you don't know if that's how it ends up. That's the Greek mythology. You don't know if that's the Sony Santa Monica take on. That's true. It's a good point, Blake. <laughs> so I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I was kind of stuck there for a while because there are a lot of puzzle elements to it when you're traversing through Yotanar with Angerboda and Atreus. There's a couple of puzzles mm-hmm. you have to get through, and I was a bit stuck there. But I think I just kind of got past that hurdle, and now it's just been, like, combat all the way. And she's trying to show me something. I can't remember exactly what it is right now off the top of my head. But she's, like, leading me through Yotanar to show me something about my past or my destiny. And that's really what drove Atreus to leave home. He had think he'd gotten a vision. And he started doing some research. Right, because they have this guy's head, I believe, Balder. Mm-hmm. And he's he comes from, like, the Tree of Knowledge. I think Zeus condemned him to stay on top of a mountain. Like, he took his head off and he stuck him on top of the mountain. And then Kratos cut his head off of that, like, I believe he was, like, on a tree stump. Well, that's his brother, right? Who? Isn't that Kratos' brother? Could be. I'm not too sure. I do know that Kratos and Atreus found him on top of this mountain. This might have been in the end of the last game. And they take his head off. They, like, attach him. And Kratos keeps him on him at all times. And he's just constantly, like, talking. And he makes for a fun person to adventure with because he has Mm -hmm. all the knowledge about everything. So he's just, as you're exploring things, he's telling stories. And he's like, oh, this mountain, such and such happened here. And so he's a fountain of knowledge. And Atreus had been talking to him a lot, and he figured out who he is, actually. And it has to do a lot with his mother, who was also a giant. I find it so interesting, like, because they're giants, but they're not, like, actually giants, so to say. They just come from this race of giants, I guess. This is kind of like something that, like, it's in your blood, but you can't really see. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take on all this. You know, especially like the take on the Greek gods. Like Kratos is from like the Greek pantheon. And then they, you know, he falls in love with somebody from the Nordic pantheon, you know, and they have Atreus. And I think that that's just a really cool, like, I don't know. I think it's a cool take on all of it. And it's kind of like a way that these myths and legends can be like reborn, you know, for a modern audience. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's something that I've been fascinated with as a kid, just that kind of Greek mythology. Didn't really get into Nordic mythology all that much, but it's fun to see these worlds cross over, and there's definitely a huge element of surprise seeing 
learning about some of these different gods and their stories and how Kratos encounters with them. I mean, Kratos, he's just gone around on a killing spree, just killing all sorts of gods. And I believe the last god that we fought was, I want to say Thor, which was a really, really fun cutscene, challenging battle for sure. But I think we might have to fight Zeus. I think Kratos fights Zeus in this game. Is it Odin? Odin. Yes, it would be Odin. You're right. That's going to be challenging for sure. The story is just full of surprises. I mean, even the fighting mechanics, like when I'm traversing with Atreus and his, his future wife, there'll be like enemies who pop out of the blue and just kind of run up on us and, and you kind of have to be ready on a dime. I'm really enjoying playing through as Atreus. And I think now when, if he does reunite with his father in the game, I hope they don't do kind of a Kratos play through and then you go back to Atreus. Like I would love to see mm. the dynamic of them fighting together because that's really fun. I think I'll yeah. be playing a lot more with Atreus now because I'm I've really have learned his fighting style and the mechanics that he has to offer. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you're hopping back into this story. I guess my take on it a little, but I feel like I guess stop me if I'm wrong. But I mean, like with this year, like when we're taking a step back and we're not buying new games, part of that when we talked about doing this, it was so that we could kind of go back to older titles that we had maybe like didn't have time for or like hadn't quite experienced it, you know, the whole thing and kind of giving us like an excuse and a reason to kind of go back and give ourselves a reason for lack of a better word to like check out the games that we, you know, love and appreciated brought to the show, but just didn't quite, you know, we moved on, didn't quite, you know, finish it or see it through or experience as much as we wanted. So I think that it's awesome that you're, you know, returning to that. Yeah, man, it's super exciting. And I'm grateful that we've gone on this journey because, I mean, I never finished this game and I'm realizing it's such a great game and it would have been a shame to just have all these amazing new titles that are coming out and never get back to it and finish the story. So I'm excited to finish it. It's kind of revived my interest of the God of War series and definitely want to get to that DLC. I mean, eight gigabytes of gameplay, it seems like, has a lot in store there for me, so... Yeah, I actually think that this DLC is really interesting. And I guess the DLC coming out and I guess hearing you talk about this, it really kind of makes me want to jump back into to God of War. I never finished the original 2018, but I think that you're really going to like this DLC. And it, it really honestly made me kind of interested in it because the DLC is like a roguelike mode where it's just the combat of, you know, God of War, which is, you know, you can't argue it's incredible. I mean, you went back and played it on God mode, you know, so you certainly have an affinity for it. So this mode is truly just like an endless version. I don't know if it's endless, but like it is a roguelike element where like that is, you know, the point of it is just to do the combat until you fail and then do it again. And I don't know what the story, you know, implications are of that or like how that's even possible within the lore. But I think that's really cool that they were able to realize that's what makes or part of what makes God of War special to like put it out as a DLC, but like a free DLC for everyone that bought the game. Like, I think that's awesome. I think that's a cool, a cool way to do things. Yeah. It's really generous of the developers. You know, I think it shows their appreciation for the work that they put into this game that they're willing to, I guess, take a loss on this DLC that they made just so that people can experience it. And I mean, 
it worked. It brought me back into playing the game. And so, yeah, shout outs to Santa Monica and Sony for doing that. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this on the show, but, you know, with these, I guess we kind of have talked about it where the AAA development is just so expensive and so, you know, it takes so many people to make something. This is a Sony first person studio that made this, or first party. So that means that this is, you know, the development house is owned by Sony. And, you know, obviously they make the PlayStation 5. And I guess a thought or a take on the business that, you know, we've, I don't know if we've actually ever talked about is the first party studios and the first party games, they're really some of like the best games that are made for the system. And obviously there are thousands and thousands of games that are released that are made from like third party developers and people that, you know, sometimes they come to PlayStation exclusively and they get some money from PlayStation, but at the end of the day, PlayStation's a platform and every game that's sold, they take a 30% cut. So when they're making these games like God of War, Ragnarok, and you know, this DLC as well, like the cost to develop it can kind of be subsidized by like the hardware sales and like the 30% cut that they make on all of their, or all of the hardware that's sold. So I don't necessarily think they're putting it out for a loss. I almost kind of feel like they're doing it as a way to kind of maybe you know, build some goodwill for, you know, people that bought the game and liked the game because obviously they had to take the time to develop this. Maybe the third one might not come out for a long time if there even is going to be a third one or a next one. I hope to find out with the story if there is one, another installment coming. I mean, the series does so well, so I'm sure they'll figure out a way to do it if need be. There have been some huge Sony leaks as of late, and I took a look at those. But mm-hmm. a lot of... Is that something I should admit on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Those leaks, they're crazy. I mean, they're public information now. I saw a lot of the stuff for Spider-Man and kind of the Marvel series and where they're planning to take that. Saw some of the Wolverine gameplay and some of the future installments of Marvel games they want to release. I didn't see anything for God of War installments, so I guess Santa Monica does a good job of guarding that proprietary information. But At least I think it's Sony Santa. That's right, right? That's who makes it, right? No, it is. It's Santa Monica and Sony. Yeah, man, I love this game, and it's a pleasure to be back and exploring it. So thank you to Blake for kind of letting me know about the Valhalla DLC. Yeah, it's interesting with all these, you know, I mean, there's so much news with the video game industry. It's hard to even, like, one, find, I don't know, find it within yourself to care. I mean, we have a video game podcast, and we obviously care very deeply about this, you know, the industry. But there's, there's such a plethora of knowledge on the internet, it's hard to even, like, filter in, like, you know, useful things. And they announced this at the Game Awards. So, I mean, obviously, like, the Game Awards has a huge audience, but it's, you know, it's expensive to, I guess, put a trailer or an announcement in, you know, a huge award show. And I think it's very telling that you, you know, somebody that owns the game, you know, didn't know that you had access to this DLC. It was free DLC. I don't know. Maybe that's, I guess, a marketing failure. But regardless, it's cool that they put out a free DLC. I'm grateful for it. I can't wait to get to it and get to the rest of the story, man. I mean, that's why I'm glad we're doing this kind of strike on the industry because, like I said, I probably would have never gotten around to it. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see that. I mean, I still haven't even finished Spider-Man, which I really need to do as well. 
So those two games will definitely be played. All in due time, man. There's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's exciting, man. I think I may have to boot up God of War 2018. <laughs> yeah, finish. How far did you get in, in God of War? I don't remember. It's been so long since I played it. I don't know why I stopped. I think this is what it was. When I first got my PlayStation, I like dipped in and tried all the things that I, I didn't have access to. Like I tried God of War, I tried Horizon, and I tried Ghost of Tsushima, which were like all PlayStation exclusives. I hadn't had a PlayStation, you know, in the PlayStation 4 generation. And I liked Horizon. I was That was the one I was expecting to like the most. Right. I kind of bounced off that, tried God of War, tried Ghost of Tsushima. And I fell in love with Ghost of Tsushima. I think that was my... Yeah, you really did. Yeah, man. That game is awesome. Which they had... I bought and started some DLC for that. Maybe I'll finish that one day. <laughs> <laughs> but man, yeah. So I, I think I may have to go back to some of these. I've been playing a lot of indie games recently. I'm kind of itching for a AAA experience, you know. Were you fighting the Valkyries at all? I think I remember you saying something about that. I just remember, I always had the axe. I know that there you get like chains or whatever. I never got those. Okay. I didn't make it that far. I remember I made it to the point where you'd like meet this person. In the beginning, they have like this huge turtle and they have like a house with like a turtle on. I don't know. Maybe they have like a house inside a turtle or under a turtle or on a turtle. I made it a little bit past that. And she was like, oh, you're a god, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. I don't remember after that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'll start over. I'll probably just pick up where I left off and try and fill in the blanks. That's something that I like too about this is like I kind of picked up my bearings really quickly when I got back in the game. I was like, oh, yes, I was doing this. I just met, you know, Anger Boda. And so I feel like the story really cemented itself in my memory and that's just a testament to the developers who put this out you know they really spent a good amount of time writing the story and putting it all together and i mean man i'm just as curious as i was when i first started playing through it to figure out what happens you know it's like a good tv show yeah listening to you hear that that just like completely sparked my memory and i remember exactly where i was I was traveling across this lake and then the lake kind of like went crazy. I saw the world serpent and then like I met, you know, I'm on this huge bridge in the middle of nowhere, kind of like unlock some fast travel points and there's like a dwarf there. That's where I'm at. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> Is the dwarf the ones that, no, that's an elf, right? I believe that like. I, I think they're like short and they're like, oh, I, I made that axe. Yeah, you like you ever want some upgrades. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah. Damn, I might have to play that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hit the world serpent. That's insane. That was a scary scene. That's... I remember that. I was like, what is going on? That was that was crazy. All right, well, would you like to wrap it up or would you like to talk about our last topic for the day? How are you feeling? We can talk about our last topic for the day. All right. Well, I feel like we talked about it. I'm not sure if we did, but both Brandon and myself have emulators and we have the Miu Mini Plus. And I set them up for both Brandon and myself. Um, just a really quick rundown. I took the SD card and I, I threw it away. 
I got a new SD cards for us and I put Onion OS on our SD cards, which if you follow along with the emulation community, it's just, I guess, a community supported operating system for the Miu Mini Plus. It was developed by the community and it's honestly, it's incredible. And I put that on our devices and, and I think we have access to a couple different consoles like the SNES, the NES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and some other consoles as well. And for Brandon's, I tried to put on as many games as I thought he'd be interested in. So I guess I'm excited to hear about those. And for myself, I have like a digital or a physical library of like 50 different cartridges from like Game Boy to Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance. And I kind of digitized all those and put those on the emulator. And then I got a couple ROMs from the internet and put on some games that I, I was interested in. So you've had this for about a, maybe a month, month or two. What have you been playing? How have you been liking it? I've been having a great time. And thank you, Blake, for giving me the emulator and putting in all these games you thought I'd be interested in. I'm really grateful. I have been playing a lot of the Dragon Ball games, just exploring them. Seeing oh, really? Like the Game Boy Advance Dragon Ball game? Yes, I've been trying to find this title that i used to play on my ds and it was a game boy title i'm gonna have to do some more research and make sure i get that in there because that was my favorite dragon ball game of all time it's really fun i've been playing this one where it's actually a little more advanced than that one i played the one i played was more of a like top down kind of similar to pokemon in a way mm-hmm. with a bit of action but it's a lot of story this one is like kind of like a ps2 almost like in the way it plays really where like i can fly around with characters and it's multi-directional the fighting feels a lot more advanced which is really fun i'm having a really good time with that i wish i remember the title right now but i'm not remembering i've been playing lots of emerald too really those two titles like the dragon ball title and the pokemon emerald pokemon emerald is the first probably the first real video game i've played and my introduction into the Pokemon world, I picked up a Mudkip, naturally. That was my first Pokemon. Nice. And nice. I've just been exploring the Hoenn region, and it's a, really a trip down memory lane, man. There's so much nostalgia playing this game. Just like, wow, I remember doing this as like an eight-year-old kid, and now I'm, I'm doing mm-hmm. this again 15 years later. It's a lot of fun, and I, I'm super grateful that I have access to this experience and so many other experiences. I mean, the way that the Onion OS runs on this is super seamless. I can just pause a game, quickly switch over to Dragon Ball. If I get bored of that, I can switch over to another title. And there's just so much options, so many options there for me at the click of a button. So mm-hmm. really powerful emulator, having a lot of fun emulating these titles and definitely need to spend some more time with my emulator exploring it like i said finding that title that dragon ball title and putting that in there because i'm pretty sure get it on there it's a game boy advance game so i'm gonna be able to find it yeah man oh i'm so jealous that you're playing pokemon emerald i i've been thinking about picking up emerald i mean i have it on the emulator but i what i did is i took my original save well it's not original i played it a couple years ago on my game boy and you know, I probably very similar to you. I think it was like pre-pandemic and like when I was in college, I just like played through Emerald all again. And now I was able to bring that save over and I put that on the emulator and I'm like, I've got my Quasar. Just like, I kind of want to just start it over. But I'm playing through Pokemon Fire Red right now and Pokemon Gold. 
So I have the physical card for both those as well, and I brought the saves over. And, which, man, it, honestly, the Pokemon Gold save file, that took a little bit of finagling. It was a little bit more complicated than I wanted it to be. I just honestly, like, learning how to do that has been really fun. So, I mean, I kind of like, for me, like, messing around with the emulators is a really fun, I don't know, it's been a journey, but I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. And yeah, I kind of just wanted to touch on these emulators a little bit. We did some episodes earlier in the podcast. I think the one that we did where we, I really talked about my experience was in learning how to set, you know, one of these devices up, what's called Emulator Tholomus, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> is the episode title we went with there. It was one of our earlier episodes. And at the time, I really honestly wanted to love, you know, these little emulation devices, but the one that I had set up, it took forever to load up the games. And that, honestly, it was a compromised experience because if you were turning the device on, it would take like minutes of actual minutes, like from you to go from like, all right, I want to play this to like, you're in the game. And it just took a long time to like boot up the emulator, to load the emulators like OS, and then to like boot up the game. Technology has obviously progressed, you know, very rapidly. I mean, these devices were very cheap back then the ones that we have now are actually i think they're a little bit cheaper than the one that i had at the time but these are able to do a lot more and they have gotten better so i mean you're really able to like kind of get in and get out of a game really quickly and that's one of the the good things about them the ones that we got specifically the Mi mini plus they have the ability to connect to the internet and they have an internal clock which is very useful for pokemon and Man, I've been having a blast. I've been grinding away at my Pokemon Gold save file. I'm still uh, IV training. I'm killing some drowsies. So I'm getting my special defense and special attack up. But How many gyms are you into your Emerald run? How many hours? Or how many gyms? Right now, I think I only have my second gym badge. I'm really taking my time exploring, trying to catch Pokemon in every route fill out that Pokédex, which is something I never did. I never completed the Pokédex in the Hoenn region. And I think that requires you to trade, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, that is something... So on the ones that we got specifically, another reason why I picked up the same emulator for both of us, we can trade Pokémon via between our two devices. I think they do have to be, you know, like within a certain like distance to each other. And I think that... I don't know. At the time that I bought them, you could only do it with Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. So I'm not sure if you could do it between Game Boy Advance games, but I'm sure that by the time... I mean, I have to imagine if we want to get to that point, we can find a way to trade them. Yeah, hopefully. I was going to ask that earlier. I saw there were some cables there. I think that's what we'd have to do to trade, right? Like We'd have to like connect our emulators and well, I think the way that the trading works via emulation, I think it's over the internet. Like, okay. It's through Wi-Fi. So honestly, it was kind of a complicated process. And when we get to that point, like next time we see each other, I'll see if we can do that. Cool. So I guess more on that in the future. With the most recent update, I remember it like not quite being as straightforward as you would think it would be. But like I said, it's what it is. I'm thinking about maybe starting, because I have my save on Emerald. I'm thinking about maybe starting like Sapphire. Like redoing Sapphire or... Ruby. Ruby, yeah, Sapphire or Ruby. Yeah, I actually never played Ruby, so maybe now's the time. It takes me to Pokemon Go. I have a shiny Kyogre and a Groudon, but I love my shiny Kyogre. I'm so jealous of that, man. It looks so cool in purple. One of my favorites, man. Maybe someday. <laughs> I'm still trying to breed a shiny Trico, and 
Pokemon Sword and Shield, but man, that's going to take forever. <laughs> I feel like it's more satisfying to have a shiny Pokemon in one of the newer Pokemon games because just the, the way the animation of them is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still keeping up on Pokemon Go, and I, I've actually caught some great Pokemon shinies in Pokemon Go that I'm going to transfer up into the new games. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised that just how not easy but like how frequently you run into a shiny pokemon in the game like my girlfriend naomi's been playing a lot of pokemon go recently and just recently she caught a shiny hapini which is mm. a really cute pokemon i love hapini that's the pre-evolution at chansey i believe yeah she just ran into a shiny hapini i feel like it happens more frequently on pokemon go than on the any of the other titles they probably want to incentivize us to play the Pokemon Go and catch some shinies there. Pokemon Go is a little bit more predatory in terms of, you know, microtransactions. Yeah. I actually also caught a shiny Hapini in Pokemon Go, and I transferred yeah. it to Pokemon Shield, and I've got a, a shiny Chansey, Ivy trained. It's and, amazing. Yeah, you could take that one competitive if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool Pokemon. Honestly, man, like, I've been just... Playing Pokemon on these emulators, I've been thinking a lot about the franchise and the future of it. How have, has that, like, have you had any thoughts about that as you're playing these older titles? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's like, will we ever go back to this era of Pokemon where, you know, it's kind of a 2D graphics overlooking the world and sometimes simple things work best. But also, I feel like I might be biased, too. I recognize that I might be biased because this was my first entry into the franchise. And I think about younger generations who their first entry might have been Sword and Shield or mm -hmm. even earlier than that, something like a Pokemon Platinum, where there were some 3D moments in the game, like with Giratina. And there's like that whole 3D world. And I think that's when the 3DS yeah. was out. And so to them this Pokemon feels a lot more natural and like what Pokemon should be. And so I may just be an old fart and really appreciate the old versions of it. But thinking about the future of the Pokemon franchise, I do think that we are, or rather the Pokemon company is stepping away from kind of the love of it and is more so just cranking out games to, I guess, make more money you know maximize profit which is what a business should do but i'm definitely missing some of that love and attention to detail in certain games like a perfect example would be pokemon let's go like i feel like that was a really fun experience but they kind of they didn't go all the way with it if that makes any sense or an even better example than that I think Pokemon Legends Arceus, like there were still some aspects of that game where there were... Yeah, I mean, the polish just wasn't there. It right? wasn't there. And we talked about that with the latest Pokemon. I can't even remember the name of it. Do you remember? Scarlet and Violet. Scarlet and Violet and how some of the <laughs> cities were just not flushed out. Like there were just empty entry points and it didn't really feel like a city. Where in the past, if you went to Goldenrod City in Pokemon Heart Gold, every building almost every building you could enter and interact with npcs and it really felt like a city and i guess it's easier to simulate a city in a 2d overlooking environment than it is in a 3d with all these amazing graphics 
But I feel like that's just an excuse. Like, I do think that Game Freak and the developers there aren't really spending that time with games to really flesh them out. I mean, I remember when I'd have to wait, like, almost a year and a half to two years, sometimes even three, for a new Pokemon iteration, and I'd be itching to get my hands on the newest game, and I'd run to the video game store on the day it came out, get my hands on it, and mm-hmm. I just don't have that anymore, Blake. It sucks. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts. I mean, I guess, you know, really quick, I do kind of feel, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I, obviously I think we both are frustrated with, you know, the state of it and the last entry. And I think maybe for you, the last couple entries, I'm not sure if, I mean, Pokemon Sword and Shield really hit for me and I don't know if they hit as well for you. But yeah, I mean, the Pokemon that have come out on the Switch, they have not had sweeping innovations. They've been very safe and they really, like, quite frankly, they just don't look or perform as good as other, you know, games that are come out on the console. And, you know, they, I mean, if you look at the, you know, just the comparison to Breath of the Wild, it, it's hard to, you know, compare anything to Breath of the Wild, but, you know, it's technically possible. And I think that it's very telling when you kind of look at them side by side, even though it's, you know, it's not really fair to compare the two you know, the comparison is going to immediately be there. And it's very clear that there was a boom of game. There's a lot of games. And I think that they see that in, you know, player retention and player feedback. And I'm sure that they know that the, you know, the Scarlet and Violet that they put out were just not quite, you know, up to standards and on par. But, you know, I mean, the franchise is still doing some interesting things. We've talked about it, but I mean, they have introduce some really interesting mechanics and solve some cool problems, you know, in this 3D open world space. But, you know, it kind of just, they didn't take it all the way. Yeah. And I guess also with the 2D aspect that you were talking about, I I think that they can do both. I mean, I would love to see them make another 2D game. I would also love to see them make another 3D game. And I do honestly think that they can do both. And I hate to say it, but I'm kind of been feeling that, or I guess something that I've been thinking about is, I don't feel like Game Freak maybe should be the only ones making these games anymore. I agree. Maybe they should outsource maybe the 2D, you know, to another studio and maybe they focus on the main 3D game. And I don't know, it's just a thought that maybe, you know, if they were able to kind of mix some things up and maybe hand off some responsibilities, they could do some more interesting things. And I think that, I mean, we've talked about it before, but like in playing these, the Game Boy titles, like whether it's a Game Boy Color, Game Boy, like Pokemon Yellow or a Game Boy Advance and, you know, kind of leading into Heart Gold, Soul Silver, it's very clear that you just exist in these worlds. Like Pokemon like exists around you and you are just a part of it. And then in the newer titles, it's really like, there's such an emphasis on like, you're the chosen one, you matter, like you have to do this like epic quest. And like in telling you to do an epic quest, the things that you do don't feel epic because everybody's doing them. Yeah, totally. And when you have that, although everybody may have done it, I mean, a lot of people have caught Mew or, you know, gone on these crazy adventures to get legendary Pokemon in some of the older games. Just because you're not told to do it and you kind of have the choice or the allure of freedom, you're, you kind of have more ownership over it. And I do kind of miss that experience. And there was a game that came out recently called Pal World. I don't know if you've been following along with that. Yeah, I've heard some things about it. It looks very interesting. <laughs> Isn't there a lawsuit 
on it? I'm not sure if there's a lawsuit. I think that, you know, it came out a couple of weeks ago and I think it's kind of dominated the news and there's, you know, there's been a lot of like claims and accusations. And I think that, I think Bloomberg and maybe Polygon kind of, you know, contacted some lawyers and the sentiment was they don't really, the Pokemon company doesn't really have a claim to them uh, or a claim. But basically it's this small <laughs> indie studio with less than 10, I guess they have like a crazy, some crazy number of, or just a very low amount of staff. And they were able to make a game that runs on like PCs and it's on Xbox Game Pass. And it's very clearly like ripping off Pokemon. Like it's pretty shameless and that a lot of the character models look like Pokemon. But it's not really like a, a creature collector game like Pokemon. It's really kind of like a survival game. But there are Pokemon models in it and there's like turn-based combat. And like the Pokemon have guns or like the pals have guns. It's very interesting to just look at this game that was developed by an indie studio, a very small studio, and it looks incredible. Honestly, it kind of looks like the games that we are playing could have come out on the 3DS, and like the Power World is like the next generation. Like the leap between the two and visually, it's just so substantial. It's like, it's kind of like, damn, what the fuck has Pokemon been doing? <laughs> I mean, like, sorry for swearing, but like, man, <laughs> if this indie team made this, like, what the fuck? Pokemon is, it is the highest grossing IP on the planet. How are they letting a team of like 20 to 30 people steal their fucking lunch? <laughs> I don't know. It's very interesting to kind of follow along that I honestly think it's a good thing. Like, I hope the Pokemon company's like, damn, like, we got to step it up. Like, we got to actually make it a, a game that does something innovative and some good competition, man. I think that this definitely lit a fire under the Pokemon company because they've been doing amazing numbers. They've been getting some good reviews. It's been talked about. Oh, yeah. I think it made like the Washington press. Like it's broken outside of the world of video games. Yeah, it's amazing to see a game just kind of break out of the, the video game bubble and get talked about the way it has been and i think it speaks to you know exactly what we're talking about there's a an itch there's a whole niche or market that's not being satiated by the pokemon company and they kind of have a monopoly on that kind of title or sort of game and to see someone with you know minimum a fraction of the amount of money for lack of a better term, resources resources to pull something like this off is just, it's frustrating. And I hope that the Pokemon company, um, you know, makes some changes. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I hate to say it, but I've been kind of enjoying this. I guess I've been looking at the Pokemon company's posts recently on like social media, whether it be on Instagram or threads, and they post something. And I just have just like gotten such pleasure and like, like random people just be like, oh, this shit sucks. Like make a power world or like just crazy, just like awful mean comments. I, <laughs> I've been loving them. I've been watching it and I'm like getting like a tan from like how much screen time I'm getting just like looking at these comments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's like terrible and it's like super toxic and like the worst part of the internet, but I've been really enjoying just looking at that. So many people I'm saying, oh, is this a Power World ripoff? 
I mean, the frustration is real. I mean, there's a whole... I would almost say that the majority of the Pokemon fan base has just not been satiated with the new titles. And quite frankly, just frustrated and disappointing. I think we've <laughs> been bitter Pokemon fans long enough. Uh, yeah. Would you like to Let's let the Pokemon <laughs> company off the hook. Hopefully they get in the kitchen and they start cooking again. I pray that they do. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood, they're going to cook some slowpoke tails. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice reference. Uh, but yeah, man, this has been a really fun episode to record. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Definitely stay tuned for some more God of War content from me. I'm going to be talking about some of that for sure. Some more emulator stuff. I am going to try to find that Dragon Ball title and bring that to the pod. Yeah, super grateful for all the supporters we have. If you haven't already, support us on Patreon. Find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Share with a friend. The best way to help us is to share with a friend. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. Please rate the show. I mean, I guess we don't really ask for that very often, but it does really help. And be nice if we saw some new ratings and reviews. But yeah, the most important thing is just to share it with a friend. That really goes such a long way. All right. I guess that's that. That's episode 88. It's a wrap. 88. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>